Hey, one more thing before you go. What do you do when you find out that your fiance, the man that's going to be your husband, was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer that was unfortunately in stage four? Do you still plan the wedding? Do you still plan the honeymoon? Stay tuned. In this episode, we're going to find out when we talk to a woman who came to know her true purpose in life. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is The Thing About Timeless Dreams. My guest in this episode is Ashley Jackson Thompson. She and her fiance were planning their marriage when they were struck with this devastating diagnosis of a cancer that has a 35% chance of survival. Together, they went on to beat the odds of that devastating death sentence, and Ashley came to know her true purpose in life. She's going to help us understand the true meaning of love, commitment, celebrating life and love, and paying it forward. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on. You've got a journey that some of us can resonate with. And uh, I think that you, what you do in life now really presents people the opportunity to move forward in a very positive way. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about, about yourself. Like, where'd you grow up? Yeah, so actually I uh, grew up in a little town called Piqua, Ohio. So it's near uh, Dayton in about an hour and a half away from Cincinnati. And I've just always felt like this small town girl, but wanting to be a big city. So I love to travel. Um, it does make me miss home. So, of course, I always return home, but I love traveling. So it's a huge passion of mine and reading, writing and just eating all the different foods. So it kind of intertwines in my life through everything. It gives me a, a better sense of life in general, and it makes me respect. You know, eat, eating, well, all of those things are like the positive things of life we should all explore every day, actually. Absolutely. I totally agree. So How I grew up and just noticing the differences in different cultures and how people live. And it makes me just thankful for how I grew up, but also paying my respects to how other people grew up as well. That's pretty cool. Let's talk about how you grew up. What, what was your family like? We're very close-knit, totally a huge daddy's girl. And so it was a two-parent household, my brother and I, and our first family trip was to Disney World. So I was just in love with Disney World from a little girl and still am, even as a grown adult. But just growing up in a small town with my parents and just being as close as we were, which on September 5th of 2011, my dad actually suddenly passed away, which was, needless to say, a very hard and intense time in my life because he was overall a healthy man. And one day he just wasn't there. Was so, that unexpected? Was it what happened? 
it was very unexpected. He had a brain aneurysm. So he was, it was on Labor Day and he was putting some files together for a client he had. And he was coming home because my mom was going to fix dinner. And he basically passed out because he had this brain aneurysm and he was gone. So one of his friends that worked in the back of his office actually was walking up towards the front of the office to tell my dad, like, hey, enjoy your holiday. I'm about to go be with my family. And he saw my dad on the floor, which wasn't necessarily odd because sometimes, according to him, my dad would take naps on the floor in between clients. But this time, my dad wasn't getting up when he was saying his name. So he knew something was really wrong, and it was because he had died, which there's no kind of sense of relief in these kind of moments. They, the doctors and the ambulance EMTs, they told us that it looked like he might have probably died before he hit the floor. That gives us some kind of a sense of relief, but it's not really because he's still not physically here, if that makes any kind of sense. He was, oh goodness. So he was about 52 or 53. Yeah, that's actually very young. Had he had any health issues prior to that? No. How old were you, may I ask? I was 25. Five years old. As I had told you before we started this interview, I lost my father when I was 17 years old. And it, it was unexpected for us as well. It was cancer, but we didn't know he had it. And, and he just went to sleep on the couch and just didn't wake up. So turned out later he had esophageal cancer and some other health issues. But it, so I understand. I empathize with you when you lose that person, especially when you're close to your parent. It's, a, it's an abrupt reality in your face right then and there how did that affect you it, it was rough because throughout my life i had wanted to please my parents any child usually wants to please and make their parents proud and happy which i did and then it was kind of like okay so i was doing all this for their approval and there were half of that is no longer here, but I don't really know what I want to do for me, for myself. My dad always told my brother and I to chase after what we want, chase our dreams, try to figure out your purpose in life because then everything else will fall into place. I didn't know what that meant when I was in my teen years. I still didn't know what it meant at 25 when he passed. So I'm just sitting there, okay, great. I not only don't know what, you know, this means that this this person that I love so much is gone forever, but I also don't know what I'm supposed to do with all of these feelings with myself. You know, it's, did you have any tools or any, anybody to help you through the, what happened? So our, the, the funeral home, did send someone to talk with us for a couple weeks, but of course, that's not enough time to like truly unpack everything that you're feeling all at once. Like you can feel right. you, you're feeling this loss, this loneliness, 
anger. You're also denying because in my mind, I would always say, oh, he's visiting a client out in California. He'll be back. So you have this denial going on. But then when you come to the realization, okay, he's not coming back, then you're angry. I was angry at all the things. God, me, because I didn't get one last I love you in, even though I told him every day I loved him. It was still like I wanted that one last word that I didn't get to have. So you have all these emotions pent up and bottled in. And that's what I did because I was always seen as the strong one. So I didn't know where to put or unpack those feelings and emotions. So I just kept them bottled in. So the, the aspect, obviously my show, one more thing before you go, resonates with you, I'm sure, because it's, it, when I first started this, it was because of the fact that I didn't get to say goodbye to my father either. And it stuck with me. And as you can see from my gray hair, I'm not, I'm not really young. I'm not really old. It, it stuck with me most of my life, actually, the fact that I didn't have the opportunity to say I love you, didn't have the opportunity to say what I wanted to say before I left and, and so forth. But I know that, it, did that play a factor in, I know that we're going to talk more about your journey with your husband at the time he was your fiance, but did that kind of play a factor in timeless dream events? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It it played a factor into how I processed the news with Murray um, Fiance at the time and the, with his cancer diagnosis. And then also it played a major role in not only my business, Timeless Dream Events, but my book that I just launched a couple of days ago as well, Lost Travel Found, because in the first section is what when I talk, I talk about my dad throughout my book, but the biggest portion um, of where I talk about him is my first section, which would be lost, because that's just how I truly felt. I, I felt lost. I felt a loss. And I was also, his death has had a major factor and is a major player in almost everything, if not everything I do at life. Yeah, it's, I think, it is the opportunity to be able to say what you want to say, the opportunity to be able to, even at a later date, which I've learned, I've had to learn it the hard way, where you finally get to come out and say, hey, even if you put it in writing, you put it in your book, I'm sure you put it in your book, what you wanted to say to your father. And it's it gives you some satisfaction, it gives you some closure, but but there's still always that hole that's there. Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that because I found this really interesting quote um, and it's talking about how it's that other side of how people will say, oh, time heals all wounds. Well, I found this quote where it says, no, I totally disagree with that. There's scar tissue that's left. It's in it. it it just kind of sometimes festers and you can pick at it and peel it if you want, but it's still want to scab back over and just create this scar forever on your heart. Like people say, which I never understood until it happened to me. Oh, I remember like when it happened yesterday. I do. I literally do. I remember my pastor, who happened to be the chaplain for our city, just so happens to be um, and a family friend that was on the police force at the time were at our door 
And we were like, oh, this can't be good. Just how that all happened. And like, I remember that day, I remember hearing the news. I remember the way my mom gasped, cried, and then having to go tell my grandmother, her only son, she has two daughters. She had my two aunts and my dad and her only son passed away. And that broke her too, because her uh, husband, my grandfather passed away when she was 25 and he was 29. So then she's like reliving this whole thing again. Okay. Now my son's gone early too. Gives you a new perspective on life and death and the value. Yeah, absolutely. And with my father's teachings and wisdom that he passed down to my brother and I in in our short time, (laughs) our lifetime, I know I have to grasp each day to the fullest that I can because I don't know how much time I have left. Not to be cynical or cliche, but tomorrow is not promised today. And I have seen that time and time again throughout my life. My father passing away at an early age, my husband getting diagnosed with a rare cancer with 35% chance of survival at an early age. If I haven't learned anything else in my lifetime, my short 35 years of living, it's to enjoy each day to the fullest. Yeah, life can change in an instant. Um, and, and Literally. Literally. And some people, unfortunately, some people have to experience that instant. So let's talk about your husband. How, when'd you, where'd you meet Troy? Facebook. You're cool. New age. <laughs> yeah. Um, my daughter, my daughter's, I met a guy, where'd you meet him? On Bumble or on, on this or on that. And I'm going, yeah, but did, did you meet them? Did you meet him? Yeah, I met him on there. Like, no, <laughs> I shouldn't add. Yeah. We met after a year or so of talking through Facebook and such at a park. So we had established a, a strong friendship before we even met the first time. And they continued a, a, a very strong friendship. Let him tell the story and he'll tell you that he chased me for four or five years before I would even commit to one date. You see, we as guys always have the bigger story. It's always the fish is that big. And really it's about eight inches, eight inch fish. And it's no, it was 25 inch fish. I just can't, it, it's all. So yeah, that's how we met. We, so we had a strong friendship before we even thought about Danny. Well, me anyways, I'm sure he probably would tell it different, but we have this really strong connection, uh, friendship before dating. And I was actually dating for uh, dating him for about a year and a half when both him and my mom were like, Ashley, you need to do something. Um, because I hadn't grieved my dad yet. It took me almost two to three years after his passing to actually start grieving. And how I did that was I actually quit my job that wasn't really fulfilling me and like, and because again, my dad's words were always playing in my mind, chase your dreams, do what, you know, you can to live each day. So I quit that job to travel. And that's where that second portion of my book 
wash travel found comes into play. And I talk about my very month trip abroad, but also the feelings that I had because I had left fiance. Well, he was still my boyfriend at that time behind. But what was beautiful about that was that he realized I had to do something for myself or else I couldn't be the best me that I could be in order to continue a healthy relationship with him. So that's amazing, actually, for uh, that's that's really that's a gift. Right. Absolutely. And I, I treasure that. And I truly believe that as well. We when I returned home. After about nine months, uh, he quickly proposed to me on January 1st of 2017. And we were like at the highest of highs. And, you know, little did we know, March 28th of 2017 is when he got diagnosed with a rare cancer in stage four. And what made the cancer so rare was the location of it. It was a nasal cavity in his nasal cavity and we were just stunned we were like what oh, huh cancer he's young he's too young for cancer that's what we were thinking like he's too young for cancer we just got engaged you're kidding me sure it had a profound effect on you yeah he the, the cancer that he had was and i may mispronounce this squamous cell carcinoma of the nasal cavity yep that's it so is there something is is, is that like a, it's not like a melanoma type cancer. It, no. So can you help us understand what it is? Yeah. So as how much I can understand <laughs> of it is that squamous cell carcinoma is some of your most run-of-the-mill type cancers. But because of the actual location of the tumor earned my husband's the tumor where it was located is what made it rare because it normally does not happen there like it could happen on the liver or anywhere skidded or anywhere else but what made it a rare occasion was that it was located in his nasal cavity had there been any symptoms or any, was he experiencing anything unusual that before to that? Because stage four, in the stages of cancer, obviously stage four is, uh, forgive me for saying this like this, but stage four is usually a death sentence. Right. And that's what we thought. That was our instantaneous. First we heard cancer and then we heard stage four. So we were like, what? what? Like that? So he's going to die? And that, that was his thing. He started crying and he said, I don't want to die. That was one of his first things. And like he doesn't show too much emotion. So when he was crying, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I, And then I started crying. But I told him, let's hear what else the doctors have to say. Let's see, you know, what the plan is. We're going to fight it tooth and nail. Because he's overall pretty much a healthy guy. Other than having cancer, of course. And he's young. He's ready for a fight. So the doctors were willing to help him fight in whatever way they could do, which meant it was going to be chemotherapy, radiation, whatever they had to do. That you know, the I'm sure that it had to have a, he had just proposed to you in January 
of 2017. So that created a, a whole new life journey for both of you, actually. Right. So it affected it. How did that affect you in your wedding plans? I'm becoming a caregiver overnight. And <laughs> then with all the things that's included, having no kind of medical training, but I'm having to become almost like a pseudo nurse and cooking, cleaning. He couldn't work, so I'm the sole provider. I'm the show, I call myself the chauffeur because I'm running him to and from his treatments and, and doctor's visits. And then because he, we had already picked out our venue and our date before he got diagnosed, he wanted to keep it. As, even though I asked if we could postpone our wedding, he said no because it was the only thing making him want to stay in the fight. So I couldn't deny him that. So I'm also our wedding. So I have all these stressors on me and the anxiety is through the roof, which is what we now call, or when I look back, I realize I was going through caregiver burden. But I didn't even know what that was. As a matter of fact, I didn't know I was a caregiver until about a year into his fight when a nurse pointed it out to me, because I always thought a caregiver was a paid trade. I never thought of family caregivers because I've watched my mom care for her mom who had cancer, but I just thought that's what you do as a child. You take care of your parents. I never thought the term of caregiver. That's why I try to help other caregivers that are along the same path that I was to help negate them from that caregiver burnout or just steer away from it completely because it's not fun. And I didn't realize this until later on as I was reflecting and writing my book as well that I, I still had leftover residue and issues from the passing of my dad that I hadn't worked through. So then that's also compounding all the stress that I'm having now with another potential man that I love possibly dying. Yeah, it's it the journey as a caregiver, even when you don't realize that you are, especially taking care of uh, somebody that you love, it is it an extraordinary burden because you go from being I, a, a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, a fiance, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. It goes from being that to ultimately changing that relationship dramatically. And you start losing aspects of your relationship as a caregiver because the only thing you know now is to take care of that person from this perspective. Did you experience any of that? Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's that's real. And I think with I'm glad you bring this up because spousal caregivers are even on a different level because you might be having to take care of that loved one in a totally different light than what you wanted. Even though I hadn't taken the vows in sickness and in health, it was hard for me to see the things I had to see, do the things I had to do. But I also knew in the back of my mind that I didn't want anyone else and I wanted him to survive. And if that meant for me to do some things that were out of my comfort zone or say some things that were 
out of my comfort zone, then I, I had to do that. There were times where, you know, if when I look back and, and even my husband would tell you, if I hadn't voiced an opinion, if I hadn't fought for his health, he might not have been here. He might not be here today. So there are things that we have to do as, as spousal caregivers, even that get us out of our comfort zones, but it's for the better of the person that we're caring for. Yeah. It's a unique position that you put yourself in. A very, it, I think somebody in your position, it, it created a commitment, a, a dedication, perseverance, because going through the journey of taking care of somebody with cancer in itself is like a, a burden. And when I say this, I say it with love, because as we spoke earlier, I've lost a lot of people. We've been, I've been a caretaker. I've been in your position from many perspectives. My father-in-law, we took care of him with Lewy body dementia, and we watched him over an 18-month time period pass from Lewy body dementia. And so it was a slow death. It was a slow goodbye. It was a long goodbye instead of the instant goodbye. So I understand um, taking care of my stepfather with cancer. It, it just, it's a, I, I won't say, and I, and I, this might be the wrong word for it. In essence, it's almost a gift because you give a part of yourself to that individual that, that may never have come up before. But at the same time, it takes a burden of the chemo trips. The what did uh, you and what did Troy go through? Did he go through chemotherapy? And how do you get? How did you beat this? How did you beat this particular cancer? Yeah, it, it took about three years. We got there, thankfully. But so it started off with chemotherapy and a specialized radiation therapy called proton therapy that actually only there's only about a dozen facilities within the United States that even has this machine which thankfully in Cincinnati we were able to go to to get this specialized treatment and the tumor would shrink and we would be so excited the doctors would give him a break and then the tumor would come back rearing its ugly head like literally and then they decided they had to do surgery, which the surgery was very, it was major and it was very invasive. I, I watched him go back, be wheeled back one way. And when I went to visit him in ICU afterwards, he was completely changed physically. So because of where the tumor started in his nasal cavity, it had, the tumor actually had broken a part of his nostril bone. It had entered his eye cavity orbit area and it had broken a part of his skull bone. So they had to remove a part of his nostril, his left eye, and a part of his skull bone during the first surgery. And this is about six months before we were to get married. So again, I'm finding myself here in this position. I know this was necessary, but oh my gosh. How did we end up here? It's always those what ifs or should haves or, but this is all we could do. This was to save his life. So we had to walk this path. It's not the path that we asked for, but at least he was alive. So that's how we continue to walk our uh, journey out. And we were able to get married on the day that we had into which was beautiful so it was the day was wonderful it wasn't just a um 
regular wedding wear to become one, but also it was a celebration that Troy was still, my husband was still here with us. So we got to celebrate that. And then upon our return of her back from her honeymoon, learning that they might have to do another surgery and opening him back up to do another surgery. And then he's having to do more chemotherapy and, and um, radiation. So he, uh, Troy's actually had the lifetime amount of radiation for his head and neck area. He's never allowed to have any more radiation there. So that just tells you how much this man has gone through. For him to go through all of this, we finally got to the point in March of last year, so March 2020, when he was deemed cancer-free finally. So he he is a champion. He's He is a, an amazing soldier. That's all I can say because it was a long time and we weren't sure. During, during our wedding planning process, I as I would be booking different vendors or even going to find my wedding dress, I, w- I would cry because I'm like, am I actually going to get to wear this wedding dress down the aisle? So out of all of that pain with my, my dad passing with this long cancer fight battle with my husband, is all those pain points is what birthed my business, which is Timeless Dream Events. And we provide uh, any type of event for the terminally and chronically ill and their loved ones. So your mission and timeless dream, the motivation obviously was an amazing motivation because you want, you're giving back to people and you're helping them celebrate life, right. correct? Your mission with timeless dreams is to help people to going through the same thing. Obviously, everybody's got their own journey, but going through the same type of life-changing events in a very good way. Absolutely. So you pro- tell me a little bit more. You provide terminally ill patients. With any type of event, whether they're looking for a wedding, celebration of life, which I've had to do a couple of those, and baby showers, whatever they're needy, um, I will help coordinate and any type of vendors that they need. I, I have access to people. Uh, if something needs to be done quickly, I've had to actually recently help one of my really good friends get married. I am an ordained minister as well. So I've had to, and I did that because of someone needing services like right now or right away. So she actually told me on a Saturday that she may need to get married that next Thursday. And Thank God we did that because then her dad passed away Monday, two or three days later. Those are the type of... Did he get to attend? I actually did the service. I, I did. I married my friend and, and her husband in front of her parents. Oh, uh, her parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the hospice wing. It was re- really one of the most amazing, and I don't mean, oh my gosh, but it was really one of those amazing moments where... I was like, it's, it clicked. This is why you are here. This is what your purpose is. And I remember crying on the way home because all those times my dad told me, follow your, when you find your purpose, follow it of everything else will fall into place. And it just so has. And then I 
finished my book and, and launching it and just hearing people's reviews about how they are on their own grief or caregiving journeys and, and how it's helping them. And so I consider Timeless Dream Events my vehicle that gets me to my purpose, what, what I'm trying to do, and that's to help better caregivers' lives or anyone's life that is on this grief and healing journey. Because I'm almost... And you've been on this... <laughs> Pardon me. You had you've been on this journey for quite some time from your father through this incident with your husband. Right. It's been it'll be ten years that my dad's been uh, gone in September this year. It'll be ten years. So I've yeah. Grief. Grief lasts a long time. Sometimes it doesn't. Is there's no time limit. You're not supposed to get over it in a day. You're not supposed to get over it in a week. Buck up and move on in life. You you. You're to manage it and you're to recognize it and not let it stop you from moving forward in life. It can motivate you to do better things like it did with you. It motivated you to bring you to what you do. Do you have, of all these timeless events that you have done, I'm sure that's got to be really satisfying from the soul, from the heart. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, people come to me and they're, they say, do you only do, you know, these type of events? Because I don't have anyone that's sick, but I really love your your story and I want to work with you because it's just love and I tell them that I'll work with anybody it's just specifically my heart belongs you know with my fellow caregivers saying I will help anybody but yeah definitely anybody that comes to me and they're telling me that they have to get married because we're not sure we were waiting a year or two but now we're not sure because of my dad or, or my grandfather or my, my mom or whoever it be. So it's, it's very touching to hear that the backstories that everybody has in their reasoning for maybe wanting to push up their timeline to now instead of waiting a year or two. And that's perfectly fine. And I always tell people, like, you can do something small now to solidify your dream and what you want, but then you can do something later on. That's totally fine. People, especially with COVID, people have had to just do that anyways, whether they're sick or not. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And COVID COVID created a whole new reality for people. It changed us dramatically with everything, actually. It gave a new perspective on life and death, a new perspective on the value of what we have and what we should have and the value of family and friends and colleagues in that opportunity to connect with them in a way that they may not have done before. It presented that, I think, especially, I think, it, unfortunately, I think it's over 600,000 people we lost during COVID. And those were situations that, although getting COVID, you had an expectation, but in reality, unexpected. It changed people's lives so immensely. So how important is it to celebrate what we have? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I celebrate anything and everything because you just never know how much time you have on this earth. Just celebrate your big wins, your small wins. I think it's very important to, to celebrate, to feel good about your self-love and self-care. It's so important to me as well. So why not celebrate yourselves? That's loving yourself too. Absolutely. Yeah, you get, I think exactly. Celebrate 
those around you celebrate life and celebrate yourself as well. Because a lot of times people forget, as a caregiver especially, you always have to, oh, yeah. to take care of yourself. <laughs> take care of yourself. So let's talk about your book a little bit. You So you wrote this book and your motive, we, we understand the motivation behind it. So tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been talking about it this whole time, but it's definitely for a caregiver, non-caregiver, adventure seekers, anyone on a grief and healing journey, you're going to see yourself in this book. Even though it's, it's my story, my journey, you may see yourself along the ride at some point. So just talking about growing up and how much family means to me throughout this process of uh the cancer battle with my husband, Troy, then rising out of the ashes, this phoenix rising and just realizing my purpose in life, even though I had to come from those pain points in my life, I am here. Yeah, that's, I'm looking forward to that. Now there's some information on how to get your book and, and to get in touch with you with uh, Time of Stream events as well. What inspires you? Uh, what inspires me? That my, my dad and my husband. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a great inspiration, actually. But your father, because, well, I'm a dad, so I, it's always nice to know that your daughter inspires you. But your husband, you guys have been through a journey that is truly amazing. And the outcome in beating the odds right. with that cancer is an extremely positive thing. So I'm very happy for both of you, actually. I think you deserve, you, you put positivity back out in the world and you deserve that victory. That's a great victory. Do you have any advice for anybody else that's going through the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. Just taking a few moments for yourself. Start off small, three to five minutes per day. Just breathe, meditate, pray, read, run, listen to music, whatever your self-care looks like for you, start practicing it, schedule it, get it on your books so that you don't skip it. You're going to start small, but then as time progresses, you're going to want more and more and then soon you'll find yourself reading for an hour or exercising for an hour or taking a quick weekend holiday vacation or whatever just starting off small so it doesn't feel so overwhelming it's self-care doesn't always have to be bubble baths and spa days it can be trust me i love those but in reality the most what i get out of my self-care is maybe five to 10 minutes of just a little bit of, of listening to one of my favorite songs or reading a chapter. Uh, audiobooks are amazing. I used to be against audiobooks, but I love audiobooks now because I could be running or doing some errands, sweeping the floor, and I'm listening to a book at the same time. So those are, that's my biggest advice right now is practice some sort of self-care, whatever that being like for you. That's a very positive thing. Can you tell us how to get a hold of you and how to find? So you can find me at my website, which is www.timelessdreamevents.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Timeless Dream Events. I'm on TikTok now at Timeless Dream Events Clubhouse at Timeless Dream. And my book is, you can either go to my website. When you're looking through my website, you'll be able to find it there. Also on my website, you can find a 
behind the scenes video that I shot to tell you more about my life, my story, and a link to order the book. And it will be a signed copy that you would receive from me. Other than that, you can find my book on Amazon, Kindle, Target, and Barton Noble's websites at this point. Amazing. And I'll have all that information in the show notes as well. So people can find you and find your book. This is one more thing before you go. So before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom that you would like to share? Sure. I'll leave you with one of my dad's favorite quotes. He always said, you can either have your footprints on the couch or your footprints in the sand. What are you going to do to chase your dreams today? That's amazing. I like that very much. Ashley, thank you very much for sharing <laughs> your journey uh, with both your father and, and your husband. I think you're an amazing person. I, I value what you give back to the world. Please keep doing it because you are making people's lives better. And, and from what I have seen and what I've read, you've been able to help people to celebrate life, love, commitment, and dedication in a very positive way. So thank you for joining me. You can find everything in the show notes. You'll be able to find how to get a hold of her, how to find her website as well in the show notes. Thank you very much for being part of the show, and I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story. Share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One more thing before you go. A new conversation about the podcast is a creation of